0: Welcome to the Hughes of Leadership podcast, where we dive deep into the many prominent aspects of leadership. How does leadership show up in each of us? And how do we seek to have a positive influence on the lives of others? Just like hues vary, so does how we show up as leaders and how we may flex different hues depending on the moment, the task at hand, or the individual or team we're engaging. What hues are you using today? And which will you seek to further develop? I'm your host, DJ Menifee chief enrollment officer at Susquehanna University, and also the chief impact officer for Menifee Duarte Consulting Group. And I look forward to diving into the hues of leadership with our guests. As a reminder, season one focuses on people of influence, specifically those that have had a major impact on my leadership lens and philosophy. So it is an honor and a privilege to introduce our next guest. He's a man of faith, a husband, a colleague, and a friend. He's been a college admission and enrollment professional for 17 years, currently serving as the Vice President of Enrollment Management, Marketing and Communications at Bobbind University in St. Louis, Missouri. So it's an honor and a privilege and a blessing to introduce our guest, Quentin Clay. What's up, boss, man?
1: Man, how you doing, sir?
0: Man, I'm doing well. Uh, It's always a pleasure to share space with you. And obviously, while the recording is audio, uh, I get the benefit of seeing you face to face right now. So it's just always a-, a blessing to
1: be able to see you, man, and to see you in good spirits, man. Man, likewise to see you. And I'll send a quick shout out uh out of my introduction even though you've been flawless with everybody now i'm teasing uh father two boys man i just want to give shout out to my five-year-old ethan and my one-year-old nathan just in case they happen to hear this in in some future state uh want y'all to know man uh proud of y'all love y'all and i'm i'm my happiest job is certainly being a father man so i just thought i plug them back in there fantastic and also i want to acknowledge them through this in the
0: time that they get a chance to hear it that uh, your father is an honorable man, uh, an honorable professional, an uh, honorable friend, uh, and an honorable mentor. And so, you know, as as children, as one, I, I never really realized how great my father was. It took me a while to get there. And so my hope is, is that they get to embrace every moment of you uh, that you have shared with others in different spaces.
1: That's love, man. I appreciate that.
0: And and as a reminder to our audience, um, I always want to share why I wanted to have uh, our guests on. And so the reason uh, I wanted to have Clinton on is, is his impact on my leadership has been through his purpose and through his intentionality, uh, through observations and through uh, his mentorship. I've witnessed what I would call a master playing chess versus checkers. Um, and that's in how he's approached his admission and enrollment career, uh, along with the other aspects of his life. And so, you know, my brother, we we talk frequently. And so I wanted to make sure that the, that the world knew that That's one of the traits that I've picked up from you and have tried to incorporate in a way in which I lead. And it's, it's been a dynamic quality that I've always admired from afar.
1: Man, your fingerprints are on it, man. I've learned from you. Uh, That mentor word makes me itch because I've learned so much from you throughout the course of our friendship and professional relationship, man. But I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for having me on. These have been excellent. I've enjoyed listening to other people too.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, and the world's getting ready to hear yours. So, So (laughs) and As a a practice, we we get a chance to connect ahead of time uh, to kind of think through the hues that you want to share more broadly with the audience and unpack for them. And so I'm really excited about the thought-provoking topics that we will have for today's discussion. And so without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and get us started. And so the first hue is learn and relearn the rhythm of your values. And so, you know, Quentin, please unpack that for us. What does that mean to you uh, and how has that showed up in your day-to-day?
1: Absolutely, man. Uh well, number one, uh learning and relearning the rhythm of my values uh has been a really important part of my journey. Um uh, my journey um has been one that has incorporated not only the truth of, of various experiences, uh it's included just lessons learned from from people like yourself, others that I admire, and also just trying to learn from from others who approach situations and circumstances either with me or outside of me in their own ways, and particularly in ways that I can actually learn from. So I'm saying that to say not just I can learn from you if I agree with you. It's can I learn from you from the vantage point that I'm connected to? I try to reflect often and unpack, but values it's an interesting thing because there's a rhythm to my values. There are times where I think, as a professional, there there are pieces that I can contribute. There are pieces of strength, and learning that rhythm, I think, is maximizing those values. So, for an example, you know, reflecting on incorporating data at various times in my career. I've had to amplify and really be strong in those areas because either through the team or the environment or just kind of the time and the cadence of the work that you're doing, you know, that data is extremely important because it, it hasn't been a regular part of decision making, for example, or there might be extremely telling and conclusive data or it might be fresh data, fresh access to information as we know some of the reports and and analytics that we love, they're not always run in routine cycles. so there been parts where i said man maybe the data isn't as reliable or carry the weight of predictive value um, that it has in other times or other settings or closer to the report run or based off of what's happening in the world. So while I value not just having a lens, but being able to kind of zoom out and look through the eyes of of data and information, there might be times where I have to flex based off of that rhythm and say, well, honestly, we're getting consistent results. And while there might be data out there that can lend us to a particular tactic or a pivot, I think it's more important in this time to lean on the results and the consistency and the continuity or a decision we made based off of data at one point. And we need to see that through before we go back to data before we make a uh, drastic change so that's a rhythm thing it's not a every year i approach everything the same way it's a rhythm and then how do i figure out how to protect the structures of my values for continuity and consistency and then where do i sort of just lean to give adjustment to the fluidity
0: wow you just shared a word with our our audience and you know, a practice that i tend to have is i want to try to pull some threads not as if they're not listening and grabbing it uh, but maybe they're old school like myself and they got a pen and paper and they're writing down uh, as you are just dropping knowledge and information one of the things that stood out to me was in terms of thinking about data is timing right the timing, yeah. the reporting even you know digging a little further into the weeds the timing of the integration and when information is exchanging between systems that uh, mm-hmm. information is important. The other piece that that I wanted to call out in terms of having a conversation about data is uh, how clean the data is. Right? Yeah. You, you have to have some sense of confidence in it, and you kind of alluded to that in what you shared. And so if you as a leader don't have confidence in the data, you're going to struggle with trying to push or lean into that data to support decision-making that your team may have to then move forward with all off the, the pretense of maybe some faulty data. And so I wanted to, to highlight that. And then Certainly. the piece that you referenced um, was consistency, right? And so whether it's consistency in reporting or consistency in how one's value shows up, that made me think a lot. And it also made me wanna ask a question of you. And so as you are thinking about this, Hugh, how does Quentin introduce change? And what I mean by that is, is it's okay for us to be consistent in how we see the world and consistent in our values. But it should also be okay that we get exposed to new information and then we want to pivot. So if a moment of time has happened for Quentin, you know, how do you how do you introduce that pivot
1: to those around you that may be used to you operating in a certain way? Certainly. I I think in in my best attempt with with a great question and and I'm evolving as well. So, uh, you know, you might catch me five years from this podcast and and I I got a little bit of a pivot to to my response. When I think about change, first, um, I want to recognize what the constant is in the moment. Our values, our mission do not change. We may amplify, we might elevate, we may contextualize, but we stay consistent. And if we need to change the values <laughs> or the mission or the goal that we're moving toward, there's a process for that. But I think it's important to sort of uh, recognize and point to what's constant. And then I, th- I I think the next piece is to introduce the elements that, that push for change. Either we've been stable, and now it's time to go to the next level or we have not paid full attention, you know, to certain areas. And the the plan was always to focus on on a segment of things. And then once we achieve stability, now we sort of resurface areas that we weren't able to get off the ground right away or we didn't have the capacity or bandwidth. We had a desire, but not the ability to really flesh out a thorough and execute a thoughtful plan. Maybe it was timing. Maybe we saw a need in the middle of a budget cycle, but um, you know, trying to change direction or change course or make some dramatic decision would have been more reckless due to the timing, even though we saw what the need was or we saw where the vulnerability was. So I think, you know, number one, just acknowledging and pointing to the constant, which hopefully is mission, vision and values, but then also pointing to what sort of uh, circumstances, whether they're internal or external, are making the need to change more immediate or making the need for our change to be more dramatic. Right. Um, I think those pieces are extremely important. And then I think uh, communication uh, is the second thing that uh, right away is important for me in terms of making change and introducing change. You don't change and you inform everyone after. <laughs> you might not be able to have everyone in the loop with all of the information at every step. But you do have a plan to communicate to both listen, gather information to Look at some of the elements um, that you're relying on as it relates to information, and then also to sort of react and respond to how you put that information the input that you take in and anything else that's sort of uh, cooking in the mix uh, uh, for the direction that you come up with, but giving opportunities sort of for reaction and then prioritize it. So I think that communication is a really big part of change. If I look back in my life when I've been frustrated with change, either I didn't understand it, I didn't know why it was immediate, I didn't know why our response needed to be dramatic, or I didn't know what those key performance indicators or benchmarks were that would help me understand whether this change was working. And I try to think about those things as a leader and incorporate that in how I'm interacting and communicating and executing change.
0: We appreciate that. And in the segue to cue number two, there was a piece in your response there that talked about maybe holding off on something because if it's midstream, it's mid-cycle. Maybe it may present as more reckless and be more harmful than than part of a solution. Right. It made me think about the second gym. Uh, which is perfection as as a lonely meal. And so, again, I'm going to turn the keys over to you for you to enlighten us of what that means and how that shows up in your day-to-day.
1: Certainly. And, and I say this, you know, uh, it certainly connects to my professional experiences and work, but also personally, sometimes we just have to think about what our real goals are. And perfection uh, can be a goal. It could be a personal goal. And to achieve it, especially for perfection, you can't always do that In front of an audience, let's just say it's growth, right? Perfection as it relates to growth. You know, I'm I'm trying to grow as an individual as it relates to time management or maintaining balance in my life. I can't talk about that and do it at the same time. Sometimes I have to go internal. I have to be reflective and consume information and kind of parse my heart and my spirit for what that growth is going to look like as I'm getting better. I can't you know, hold a press conference and say, hey, this is how I'm going to perfect. This is how I'm going to grow in these areas. And this is my 10-step process. And and, and here's, uh, you know, the calendar for the rollout of how you could expect this, you know, to impact you and others. I have to embrace that lonely mill of perfection and say, either I could talk about it or I could be about it. Either I'm reflecting and I'm listening and I'm searching for truth and answers and I'm being open or I'm acting but I can't always do those things in company. I can't always be communicative and completely transparent throughout the entire process. And I have to embrace that lonely meal in terms of that stage of that type of perfection. And then on the converse, um, sometimes there are things that are more important than perfection. Because of course, if you're trying to impact a group of people or even one other individual, you have to be able to bring them along in the process of perfection. And if you're moving at a pace Or if your risk tolerance is different than someone else, then you may deter or chase away someone (laughs) that needs to be a part of the process or someone who's impacted as well. And then you have to say, is perfection worth it if it's a lonely meal? If the goal is getting there together and my behaviors or what's required for perfection is deterring and off-putting and chasing people away, then I have to decide, is perfection really the goal or are the ways that I'm going about it the appropriate ways? Are, is is it Does it have to be at this pace? Does it have to be immediate? What's the most important thing right now to ensure that people are respected, cared for, and involved in the level that... Their comfort and discomfort is recognized and they're not falling off, you know, throughout that course of perfection, growth or whatever measure of success. So, you know, perfection being a lonely meal is really about improving individually, growing collaborations, empowering others, and then again, being fluid and flexible uh, to make sure that if you're in collaboration and concert with other people or impacting other people, you're not so locked into perfection where you lose sight of the community and the respect and the collaboration and, and the team environment that needs to be there to really achieve success in forms of perfection.
0: Yeah, what's amazing about what you shared, and, and I think I'll start with when you're thinking about it as as an individual personally, right? And you're talking about it. It made me think of kind of the metaphor of the iceberg, right? In terms of of all the work that goes into whatever that growth goal is, most of the work that happens to get there is not visible to the rest of the world. Uh, what they, they see is yes. kind of at the top. And so even in instances where that is either recognized in a positive way and sometimes it's not all of the work that went into it should also be, I think, taken in consideration. Right. I was I was having this conversation with um, some colleagues of ours where, you know, it's admitted student reception season. And, you know, maybe some that that were uh, arriving, you know, had different thoughts about maybe the location or the food options or the seating arrangements and all of that in the same vein you know, we have internal uh, assessment. We're under the top of the iceberg. We can see underwater and we can see the list that were put together to think about what locations may be best, what segmentations and audiences should be invited, uh, the documentation and the threads that went into what alumni should be present, what academic leadership should be present. So all of that work is not necessarily recognized in that short instance. And so that's what made me, make me kind of reflect on that. You know, as a leader, Quentin, talk to, to the audience, if you may, about how do you approach growth and development as an individual? Are you are you one that kind of says, you know what, um, it's the new year, I got new goals? Like how do you, <laughs> how do you as a leader, like whether it's personally or professionally, how do you approach the sense of I want to be a better version of Quentin tomorrow. How do you approach that?
1: I try to look for patterns, frankly, and and sometimes the patterns I see, uh, I'll, I'll take one example, conflict. If I'm having the same kinds of conflicts with with individuals who all have different roles, some above, some below, some peers, some inside my department or division or areas, some outside, but there's continuity in the kind of conflicts that I'm having, that's really getting my attention for an area of growth, right? It's hard for me to say that the problem is always someone else. You know, um, I have to look for patterns and I particularly pay attention to conflicts. Am I having the same type of conflicts? And if I am, now i need to start saying well what's my role instead of just defaulting to who's at fault what's my role in these kind of conflicts you know is it my disposition is it the ways that i communicate is it the ways that i articulate is it because i come from a different background and experience that enters the room before i do and there's a lot of silence and things that I assume are known or understood, and I might need to do a better job relationship building before and after to ensure maybe those silent parts of me, those pieces that are inferred in my mind are more uh, evident and and tangible to other people, you know. Instead of just saying you're misunderstood, for example, it's it's just those types of things um, that I think are are patterns that stand out to me, and I try to look for them because that lets me know when there's an opportunity for growth. Um, I also look for opportunities of growth as it relates to again um, success, and and when I say success. How do I view success versus how other people view success? Instead of just saying I don't need to grow because I'm successful in said area, I try to assess success from different points of view. So, for example, with the admitted student data that you spoke about, and this is actually you know a real example, um, I'm really big on assessment, asking the right questions at the right times, and then using that information at the right time to impact influence, change, or at least identify the ways that we can grow if we can't implement something. So I can walk away from a program and say everything that we wanted to achieve, we did. I saw it. It's in the assessments. You know, families were smiling. You know, we enrolled a a particularly large percentage of students who participated in X event that was designated to influence um, their disposition toward enrolling. And then I can talk to staff and say, what'd you all think? And they may say, I'll never work with this person again. I never want to incorporate this part of the program again. It absolutely killed me. Uh, We had a big blow up. So even though the the event went well, we're not talking to each other for three or four weeks afterward. And then I have to say to myself, man, something that I viewed as successful, other people don't view as successful, you know, for whatever their various reasons are. And that's a growth opportunity for me. Again, that kind of points back to this idea of, of perfection. But I have to say to myself, if executing this thing at the level that I want, the way I want or envision or what I believe we collectively want has now burnt bridges between people and departments and individuals and other work (laughs) isn't getting done as a result of my perfect program or my successful program. Maybe I need to evaluate, you know, what we're doing and what we're asking for and the resources, you know, that it took to execute X, Y, or Z. So those, that's a growth opportunity for me to not just assume I don't need to grow in areas because arbitrarily I saw it as successful, right? I want to also grow in areas that maybe look like strengths and look like they're successful as in. So it's looking for those patterns, you know, essentially not only with the example I gave about conflict. Uh, but also uh, the example I gave about, you know, success and the way various people see and would assess success.
0: So I want to stay here for a moment, just a little longer, because yeah. my, my engine is trying <laughs> to put pieces together. So, so I want to stick to the success piece, but I also want to stay with number two in terms of uh, perfection being a lonely meal and As you think about the teams you are responsible for leading, have there been instances where you had to decide between what vision you had in mind for a new project or a new initiative versus maybe the way in which the team you were intending to empower to get there, the way in which they wanted to get there. You're all intending to get to the same spot. But maybe as the the leader, you had this vision and this pathway and journey to get there How has Quentin navigated those instances where it's like, okay, I see they they have this idea. They have their empower. I'm trying to empower them. the ways in which we're trying to get there. They want to take Highway one. I'm trying to get them to take Highway five. But in the end, it may still get to the same place. How do you navigate those instances where you're like, should I give a little as the leader so that they can step into it so they can be fully energized and so they can be fully present? or is it a sense of well in this instance no this this is this is the best way this is the
1: this is it Absolutely. So I would say uh, there's a good example of a a new initiative that I was trying to bring on board. And the new initiative mirrored something that I would say has been kind of a hallmark of my career. So I knew the type of initiative that we were trying to achieve really well. It was this real big collaborative thing that involved, you know, several concentric circles of, of internal and external stakeholders I knew the model for it. I've done this in 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 several different variations at different points in my career and the team that I needed to execute it just did not see it the way I saw it they they understood and I think that's kind of the mistake of leaders sometimes we think opposition is misunderstanding <laughs> and sometimes opposition is just opposition you can explain it every way you want give me diagrams <laughs> you know you could you could put it in narrative format you could give me screenshots you know send me YouTube videos podcasts from DJ Menifee you could give me everything you want and I'm going to disagree at the end of the day I completely get it and I still disagree Disagree. So, needless to say, in this example, the compromise was we didn't do it. I pulled it off the table. I actually had buy in from folks to give it a try. And I could tell at the level of discomfort that it would have cost me too much relationally, and especially at an early part. Um, of me forming relationships at this particular institution with people, it would have cost me too much to be successful in terms of relationship. And I don't like ideas that put me at the center of the success. Right. I think it's egotistical to say, if you just do it the way I, I see it or fine, I'll do this part. Right. I, I get the vision and I can execute it. I have the skill set. You know, I'll make the time. I'll prioritize. I don't like solutions that put me as a silver bullet. I just think that's egotistical. So I felt like there wasn't enough confidence where people could be successful in the roles and the parts they needed to play. I'm not trying to be the star of the show. And ultimately, I want everyone to feel good about their contributions to this being successful and not just, well, this was Quentin's brainchild. And look, it worked out just like he said. There were other things that were way more important. So I actually pulled it off the table, although people were willing to take risk and go with me. And I still haven't executed that particular thing. However, I feel better that I've been able to take pieces of What I was trying to do and infuse that into other work that we were doing, because secretly, I still have this big, crazy, nasty vision of of this this initiative that I'm gonna put together, but timing is critical. Relationships are critical. And then also the confidence and just the the growth experiences of working with, collaborating and growing with one another. All of those things are essential because, you know, I'm not gonna be on this particular issue out the mountaintop by myself holding a trophy and nobody's, you know, uh uh holding their own version of a trophy. No one else sees the roles that they played in it being successful. So, you know, in in a way I'm not trying to give you like a fake false humble thing um but what i'm really saying is there are times that i just have to really assess what the big picture is i have to really look at people and say we got to get there together or we're not going to get there there's no consolation prize if we can't get there as a team and how worth it is it for me to push people's boundaries to achieve something that i have comfort with and push their risk tolerance and ultimately you know what's that going to do to the work that we do uh, collaboratively you know in the future so uh just trying to read and assess and be flexible and you know again kind of take the back seat and and resist the urge to being the star of your own idea i think those things are just really important and critical at least to me well and again I, this was
0: an unintentional connection but i feel like that helps us lean into number 3 which is picking purpose over pride. And so that's our third cue that you wanted to unpack for for the audience. And so walk us through what you what you meant and and help us understand how that shows up in your life.
1: Absolutely, man. I would say uh this really represents, you know, an area of growth that I've tried to be much more diligent in and, and intentional about uh over the course of my life and just maturing over years and with various experiences. And I just think about the motivation behind just small decisions and big decisions? Are they are small decisions and big decisions motivated by purpose or pride? You know, you get a crazy email from someone or you have a conversation and you don't appreciate what the person said or how they said it. Is my response motivated by purpose or pride, right? Do I feel like I need to... Return the same kind of energy that was sent to me. Do I feel like I need to get even? You know, do I feel better about a situation when I can speak my piece or do I look at a big, bigger purpose and say, all right, in this moment, because of the purpose I'm aiming for, my response in in particular ways would not be helpful or conducive or supportive or complimentary. I have to think about purpose over pride in small settings because honestly that's the DNA that that forms the big settings whether you lose a drop of blood or if you lose a greater amount of blood you know your DNA is in all of it so I try to think about purpose over pride at the small levels and big levels and I haven't always been to be honest successful in doing that there are just times where decisions i've made ways i've responded I haven't always been focused on purpose they were in reaction and maybe even sometimes retaliation you know um, uh, feeling like I was defending myself, feeling like I was justified, but still retaliatory. Um, And I've really, those are just kind of stains in my memory on on places where I could have been a better person. Uh, so I try to think about purpose over pride because that helps me to be my best self, just knowing the difference. And again, just stepping back, even as it relates to, to goals. You know, there are things that I think can uh, contribute to success in my family life and my personal life, success at work. And that success by itself has fridge benefits, but the success isn't necessarily in alignment with purpose. You know, it's, it's kind of the pride of success versus the purpose of success. You know, <laughs> uh, I also think, um, just kind of to round this out, um, it helps us to, to discern when we should step forward and even step back as leaders and individuals. You know, sometimes, you know, and I, I'll use a sports analogy, you know, you may be watching a game and a team is down by 30. And you see poor shot selection, you know, uh, uh by a pro basketball player and they make it, right? And the coach at the end of the game, his responsibility is to go back to that player and say, I don't care that you made it that DNA is not going to help us in our purpose. That was poor shot selection. You ate up the shot clock. You shot with three people guarding you, you know, from, it was heavily contested and it was from an area that's not your strength and an area that really made the play break down. So if you missed it, you know, we were really left out of position in so many different ways. That's a purpose of a pride moment where I could say, well, you know what, we were losing and I was just trying to do my part to help us win. Well, when you pick purpose over pride, you say, even with degree of difficulty and my confidence in myself, it's a poor shot to take. <laughs> so purpose over pride um even lets you know when to step up or even to back up and say, OK, based off of what the risk is here and what it could cost us and the fact that this really isn't aligned directly with our purpose by giving us the greatest opportunity to be successful, and even contingency plans. Let me go ahead and pass the ball out, you know, from this difficult spot and try to see if the play materializes or if there's a second, third, you know, fourth option, that's a little bit better. So I'm sorry to go all the way down this hole in a basketball analogy, but I would say here's a moment where, you know, how about you do the opening, you know, welcome speech. How about you put your idea on the table? How about I bring you to the leadership table and present your own idea? Although, I can anticipate questions and and maybe navigate you know some pitfalls a little bit in in a little bit greater communicative ease than you. How about I just say it's more important that you get the confidence of presenting your own idea, and that wind is so much bigger than the wind of me bringing something to the leadership table. You know, and presenting it in such a fluid way that they accept it, go along with it, you know, and move it forward. So just really always trying to put purpose and pride, you know, in the perspective of my decision making helps me to be the best version of me. But don't let me, you know, ever come off as having mastered that. It's something I'm still working at.
0: What I appreciate so much in regards to what you just shared is your willingness to take off your armor and to say, hey, I've had moments in my career where I didn't pause, I didn't choose purpose over pride. It may have resorted in retaliation and owning that you recognize that that is a stain that that you feel as though is being carried with you. It, I think it takes leadership to acknowledge and recognize those moments and so I, I am, commending you and celebrating you all at the same time in this moment, because I appreciate you bringing that. You also bring up this value in sharing that in terms of the pause, right? Because sometimes we do get those emails and sometimes it's not even an email. Sometimes we don't get the the benefit of having technology be in between (laughs) what is presented to us. Sometimes it's front and center and taking that time to think through, to to be self-aware of how we show up to be self-aware of how we can respond with agitation or with anger. Uh, and it may be our pride trying to come through and to try to take that moment and, and talk to ourselves and think through it and say, okay, the bigger picture is this, the yeah. goal is this, the purpose of this is this. And you yeah. may me reflect on moments where <laughs> I've tried to do both. I've tried to react and respond with purpose and pride by via email saying, well, the purpose of this response or Mm -hmm. the purpose of this message. And so I'm trying to highlight the purpose of where we're headed, but doing so in a way that was very prideful and didn't help the situation.
1: And so it's hard to tell, man. Yeah, it's hard to tell, especially on the fly, man. I had a a situation, you know, some months ago um, with with another uh, uh, leader and I was responding to you know criticism this leader had about areas that a uh, area of oversight that I have, and you know I responded to that leader saying, Well, listen, there's an area of oversight you have in a particular thing that I don't agree with and and I hold back my comments and I let you do your thing, you know, and I try to just be a part of a solution instead of being unproductively opinionated and Here's the here's the thing about retaliation, you know, because I think sometimes we paint that, you know, in in such a dramatic fashion. The 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 leader gave me the opportunity to say, okay, well, you know, please, you know, I would love to hear. Please share, you know, what your thoughts and criticisms are of whatever this is in, in an area that I oversee. And with that invitation, it still would have been retaliatory because I did not make a plan intentional effort to bring this to that person's attention and it would have been reactive and retaliatory for me to share what i was going to share because frankly until there was a criticism in my area i did not plan to share the criticism in that other person's area so i actually won that day dj (laughs) i don't win all the time man but i won that day and i said you know what no i'm not going to share anything even with your invitation i appreciate you know that collegiality and the in the spirit of you know i'm open to hear where you have a criticism but the truth of the matter was i wasn't going to share that until you know i jumped in defense mode related to an area i felt was unfairly criticized so that retaliation man it's kind of hard to discern because people would have said well it's fair <laughs> uh or you invited me you know to expound upon that but In the spirit of my soul, I knew it wasn't something that I was going to share until that moment rose. So I had to pick purpose over pride and say, yeah, even with the invitation, even though it feels fair and right in this moment, there wasn't a real purpose for me sharing that. That would have been a pride moment. So it's hard on on the fly to make those calls. But one thing I appreciate and respect about our conversations and relationship in this podcast forum you've created I want it to be real and 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 impactful for people, you know. So I certainly don't mind, uh, um, you know, admitting that I got flaws and work to do because, you know, uh, without that kind of transparency, I don't think any of us get anything out of these type of podcasts and, and resources.
0: Amen. Amen. And amen. I have a follow up, and I'm, I want to be mindful of our time today together as well. But but the follow up is is in the moments where you recognize you selected pride over purpose after you've done that and you had time to to self-reflect and you're like, all right, Q, this is what happened. Uh-huh, you
1: know, uh-huh.
0: What has it what has it meant for you in the moments where you've you've had to go back and and I guess in our in our in our framework break bread say, hey, this is what happened. This is how what you shared or what you did, this is how it made me feel and I reacted. I wanted to acknowledge my reaction and that that wasn't the best way to navigate that moving forward. Like, what has that been like for you? Um, and how do you feel like that's been for, for the people that you've either been called to lead or called to collaborate with?
1: Man, you know, I think it's been essential um, because it's about, you know, authentic leadership for me. Um, it's about giving people a chance to learn from the truth of your success and and the truth of your your mistakes and failures, right? It's it's uh I think spiritually aligned with like the Lord's prayer, you know. So if you hit Matthew six and and it and it talks about just forgiveness, right? Forgiveness as a measure that we both need and also that we're responsible, you know, for um dispersing, dispensing. I I think it's it's important for me to do the right thing and come to those moments of apology and acknowledgement because you deserve it in addition to. Your desire for a person to receive it, I realize everyone won't receive, you know, your apologies, everyone won't receive um, when you come to them, you know, acknowledging, you know, your perspective, at least on error, because let's also be frank, I've apologized for things that I thought I was right about, but because somebody was harmed or, or frustrated, or because they took, you know, whatever I said or did different than the way it was intended. You know, I still care about how that person feels, even though in my mind, I'm like, man, I I can't break away from the feeling that I did the right thing. But I think it's important because if I'm expecting to receive forgiveness, man, I gotta, I gotta dish that out as well. And also I have to request it, you know, from others. Um, and those pieces are about the authentic leadership, the authentic character of us as just men, as people, as humans. You know, we got to be willing to stand in front of those moments. And it's not about do they deserve it? It's not about do I really think I was right? It's not even about do I think they're going to receive it? It's about just that authentic effort because there's not a day that goes by, man, that I don't rely upon a grace and a mercy that I can't execute to myself. You know, so my hope is that I represent and reflect that kind of mercy and grace um, in moments. Even when I have to, you know, backpedal and and go back and swallow my pride and and um, you know really face uh, some difficult moments, man. I think that's just really important for me because that's the only way I can sleep at night. That's the only way I can look in the mirror, and that's the only way that in the future, you know, I can tell you know others, including you know my sons, who are depending on me, you know, to to let them see my wounds and let them see my trophies. Um, I want to be able to say, yeah. I, I face some tough moments and some of them I create. <laughs> so I think that's just critical.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And, and so at this point in our conversation, we've had the opportunity to talk about learning and relearning the rhythm of our values, uh, perfection as a lonely meal uh, and more recently picking purpose over pride. And so as we transition to uh, the last question for you to reflect on, given your experience in leadership, Has there been anything more recently that you've been exposed to that is maybe shed light in leadership in a different way? It's exposed you to a different theme, a different framework uh, or and you've already kind of done this in some other ways already. Is there a part of your leadership where you're like, man, it's still a work in progress. These other pieces has been the sharpening of my iron. These are the areas of strength. But in this area of opportunity, this is this is one of the bigger opportunities that I just haven't quite turned the corner yet, but I'm still working on
1: yeah uh, I'll introduce a, a, a new one just to try to expand the breadth of content here. Um, and it's authentic of course. I think motivation is really an interesting thing for me right now. I've had a lot of experiences with younger professionals recently and there are moments I'll be honest where I'm just saying, man I was I was more motivated you know, in my opinion, than what I'm seeing in certain behaviors. You know, I didn't need a promotion or title, you know, to be proactive in certain areas. You know, I didn't need to be compensated, so so to speak, because we always throw out that, I'm not paid to do this, that, and the other. Man, I was, I was hungry. I was motivated, man. I'm a first-generation college student. You know, I was at the bottom of the Pell-eligible range, you know, in undergrad, man. I worked three jobs in undergrad, 30 hours a week, you know, and was a full-time student. And was a president of an organization and active on campus and active off campus and and different things in church and all that. And, you know, um, sometimes I struggle to see that same dedication and motivation in other young professionals kind of coming up. And I've had to take a step back and just kind of recalibrate instead of sitting from a seat of judgment and saying, you know, X, Y, and Z demonstrates to me that you're motivated or not, right? And I've tried to as a professional recalibrate to say, how can I create a climate for motivation? How can I create the the type of professional culture where there are aspirations beyond compliance? Right. And that's a work in progress for me. I don't think I've I've Tapped into it clearly because there's still some education and understanding um, that I need to achieve. You know, from those who are younger than me. I mean, this is my 18th year, man, and you know, we're not driving around with a binder full of MapQuest pages anymore. You know, we're we're in a whole you know another uh, type of um, enrollment uh, climate and and different things are needed. And the world has changed around us, and there's experiences and resources and tools that. A generation has grown up with that's much different than what I grew up with. So I, I kind of struggle a little bit seeing myself as an older guy uh, because I, I was so used to being the youngest, right? And and being the person on the other stick of being misunderstood. And I don't want to repeat the the mistake of misunderstanding who's coming up behind me. So you know I continue to just open myself up for opportunities to kind of understand, but also to at least challenge this generation and those within my realm of influence to see and 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 be inspired, you know, in in some of the ways um, that I was inspired, you know, to just just go above and beyond, and and to take pride and to to you know move outside of the framework and the confines of the job description, and just really see the intrinsic value and in the ways that we grow, the ways that we contribute to a picture that's bigger than ourselves, and then also for the resume, if you will, of experiences and knowledge we can draw from. Uh, to lead those that are coming behind us, whether that's in a professional arena or not, I just really want to be an active partner with the generation coming uh, to empower them and equip them in ways that um, speak to kind of my my journey and, and and values.
0: Thank you for leaning into kind of this ex- exploratory navigation of motivation, not only in terms of of how you were motivated, but also how you see this new generation of enrollment professionals um and and where their motivation is in terms of level but also where it stems from i also appreciate you introducing the term recalibrate and i say that because i i said it earlier today in a meeting i was talking to a colleague and you know it, it, expectations came up and and they often approached me with you know sometimes your expectations of yourself and others are too high And I I said, well, in this instance, I've made the decision not to change my expectations, but what I have made the decision to do is recalibrate my, my thoughts on what somebody can bring to the table or what they're bringing to the table, what their strengths are versus what I perceive their strengths to be, what I perceive they may add. Now I can kind of make the adjustments now that I've had some opportunities to work with them, to collaborate with, to engage with them. I can recalibrate what what I'm thinking they're going to bring to the table, what my what I now know are their strengths, I can make the adjustment. My expectations on performance are still going to be my expectations on performance. But in terms of, of where the strengths are and what I'm seeking, I have a better sense of where those things are. And so I just appreciate you Man. bringing the recalibration piece to the table because this was the instance where it's a peer-to-peer. It's, it's not necessarily somebody that's, that's in my team and, and a newer professional, somebody who is a collaborative partner. Uh, At a senior leadership team level that has years of experience, and it was just you know sometimes what we anticipate somebody bringing to the table, maybe we just misread it. And it doesn't—it's not a negative. It's just—and so I had to say, you know what? No, I just I just need to to tweak some things in terms of, of how I collaborate, how I partner, how I approach the conversation, and I think that will still make for meaningful work and a meaningful partnership.
1: I love that, man. That's, that's, that's good, man. And the beautiful thing about recalibration is you don't throw all the good things out the window, right? You don't just say, let's start from scratch. You just say, you know, how can we take the, the good pieces that we have, you know, um, and, and, Again, just repurpose it, shift and, and maybe change our perspective on how those things come together. So you don't throw out the best of you and they don't throw out the best part of them. You know, you just figure out a different approach to bringing those things together. And I think that's really critical. I think people lose the ability to have a productive, meaningful, open discourse uh learning how to disagree and still being able to move forward and collaborate recalibration is my uh underscore to what you were saying um man bring the best part of you i need that right even if i disagree with how it's you know playing out and manifesting or communicated um i still need the best part of everyone i'm working with you know and i'm definitely going to bring the best part of me so recalibrating doesn't throw that out i think it salvages the best parts of us so that's excellent man i appreciate you said that fantastic
0: fantastic well listen for our audience, uh, we've had the opportunity to to, to walk through and, and have Quentin lead us on a voyage to unpack his hues and also to reflect on motivation and how he's looking at motivation now in terms of where he is in his career and how he is is helping lead and steward newer professionals. We're also still leaving the door open and his heart open and his mind open to still be able to learn from them uh, as well. And, you know, I want to make sure that I extend my flowers to you as we get ready to transition out because... You will continue to be a great friend and uh, you continue to be a great mentor. And I know how we are about that word, um, but it's a mutual you know, yeah. relationship and how we how we are yeah. to be sponges towards one another um, and to support each other uh, in this space, not only in terms of professionally, but also personally, uh, as we are both husbands yeah. and both fathers. And so I, I thank you for that tremendously,
1: man. Likewise, man. Likewise. I just love what you're doing. And your journey is blessed. A lot of people, man. So thanks for for being consistent, bro
0: fantastic well listen to our guests as you transition to work or home from work as you head into lunch or you're transitioning in between meetings or maybe you're transitioning into professional development time whether you have it for yourself each day or a portion of the week or you're transitioning between work and times with those you love let's reflect on and consider incorporating these hues into our lives thanks for tuning in to the hues of leadership podcast and remember to ask yourself What hues will I use today and which will I seek to further develop? Thank you.